The friends and partners of Kevin Inman Ministries present Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. Kevin is committed to equipping you to earnestly contend for the faith. For more information, log on to our website at www.kevininman.org. Well, hello and welcome to today's special edition of Contenders Radio. Today we're talking about ghosts. That is right. We're talking about ghosts. There are a lot of different ideas, a lot of different thoughts, a lot of different beliefs about these ghastly beings, ghosts. And so that's what we're talking about today. And we're going to get to the bottom of the question, is there such a thing as ghosts? Well, as I mentioned at the top of the program, to answer that question, it will depend largely on Our answer, rather, will depend largely on what we mean by the term ghost. So if there, for instance, if if that term means spirit beings, then the answer is yes. Now, not just blanket yes, but a qualified yes, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But if the term ghost means the spirit of people who have died, those departed loved ones or, or, or other humans who have died, then the answer would be a definite no. And why can we say definitely no to that? Well, because the Bible makes it abundantly clear that there are spirit beings, both good beings, both evil beings. There are good and evil spiritual beings. But the Bible also negates the idea that the spirits of deceased human beings can remain on the earth and um, haunt, so to speak, the living. There are no spirits of deceased humans haunting our houses, our residences, our places of business, graveyards, etc. Let's look and see what the scripture says. Remember, we here at Contenders Radio, as every Christian should believe, we believe that the Bible is our final authority. And so our answer is not based on our emotion or our feelings, even on our experiences, because our emotions, our feelings, our experiences can all trick us, they can deceive us, they can be wrong, we can be manipulated, but the Word of God is steady, sure, constant, it is fixed, it cannot be manipulated. Now, yes, there are those that twist the Word, but the Word of God, taken in context, properly understood, properly read, it properly interpreted, it does not err. And so we want to use the Bible as our authority on whether or not there are such things as ghosts. Now, we said, yes, there are spiritual beings, there are good spiritual beings, there are evil spiritual beings, but ghosts are not the spirits of departed humans. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 27 tells us, Inasmuch as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes judgment. You see, that is what happens to a person's soul, to a person's spirit after death. Judgment. And it's the truth, it's the same truth for every person, every human being that is born and that dies will face judgment. And as much as it is appointed for men to die once and after this comes judgment. And then the author of Hebrews continues on in his thought, but we see something very important here. The result of this judgment for human beings is heaven for the believer and it is hell for the unbeliever. There is no in-between state. There is no such thing as wandering spirits. There uh, being humans now, there is no such thing as a holding cell such as purgatory, that false idea perpetrated by the Roman Catholic Church. There is no support for any of those ideas in the Scripture. There is no possibility of remaining on the earth in spirit form as a ghost. 
I know a lot of people who believe they have experienced the ghostly, the ghastly. They've experienced the otherworldly. Well, folks, these otherworldly things are not the departed spirits of humans. So if there's no such thing as ghosts, according to the Bible, they absolutely cannot be the disembodied spirits of deceased human beings. So ghosts are not the spirits of departed humans. I know I've said that a bunch, but it's so important that we get that into our minds. The scriptures tell us. So let's talk about this and let's look at the proof of that statement that we made. That's a pretty bold statement just based on Hebrews 9.27. And as much as it is appointed for men to die once, after this comes judgment. What else do we base this argument upon? Well, we believe that ghosts are not the spirits of departed humans because the Bible teaches that at death, the believer's soul goes to be with the Lord God. We see this in a number of places. One of those places is found in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21, 22, and 23, where the Word of God says this. Paul says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I am to live on, the, uh, live on in the flesh, this will mean fruitful labor for me. And I do not know which, which of these to choose. Verse 23 continues, But I am hard-pressed from both directions, having the desire to depart and to be with Christ, for that is much better. You see, the Apostle Paul understood that to live as a Christian is to live for Christ. Our life is for Christ. But to die, he said, would be gain. Why? Because the spirit of a believer, when it departs the flesh, it goes to the presence of the Lord, goes to be with the Lord. He says, it would be better for me to depart and be with Christ. That is much better. We know that Stephen, early on in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 7, verse uh, 59, whenever he was being put to death, he exclaimed, he cried out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He did not say, Lord Jesus, hold me here in purgatory. Lord Jesus, be with me as I continue to, to, uh, to wander the earth in spirit form. He said, receive my spirit. We also see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, the Apostle Paul in verses 6, 7, and 8, that's 2 Corinthians 5, verses 6, 7, and 8, he tells us that Christians who are away from the body are at home with the Lord. He says this, quote, Therefore, being always of good courage and knowing that while we are at home in the body, we are absent from the Lord. He continues, For we walk by faith and not by sight. We are of good courage, I say, and prefer rather to be absent from the body and to be at home with the Lord. You see, again, the Apostle Paul reinforces the idea that for Christians, when they die, they go to be with the Lord. At the moment of death, the Spirit returns to God who gave us the Spirit. That's what it tells us in Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verse 7. Then the dust will return to the earth as it was, and the Spirit will return to God who gave it. You see, God breathes life into human beings. He breathes the Spirit of life, and therefore our Spirit returns back to God. That is a wonderful truth, a wonderful reality. That is a wonderful assurance and a wonderful promise for believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. But for those who are in their unbelief, for those who deny Jesus Christ, for those who die without being saved by the Lord Jesus, for those who die in their sins, for the unbeliever, their spirit goes to a place of suffering immediately. They go to a place of suffering and they go there immediately. The Bible tells us in Luke, in Luke chapter 16, 
Let me get there. In Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 19. In Luke chapter 16, starting at verse 19, we read this. In a story that Jesus tells others about the rich man and Lazarus. Now note, he doesn't qualify this as a parable. This is a story. I believe this is an an actual factual event. He says, Now there was a rich man, and he habitually dressed in purple and fine linen, joyously living in splendor every day. And a poor man named Lazarus, who laid at his gate covered with sores, and longing to be fed with the crumbs which were falling from the rich man's table. Besides, even the dogs were coming and licking his sores. Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom, and the rich man also died and was buried. In Hades he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and saw Abraham far away and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried out and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus so that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool off my tongue, for I am in agony in this flame. But Abraham said, Child, remember that during your life you received your good things, and likewise Lazarus bad things. But now he is being comforted here, and you are in agony. And besides all this, between us and you there is a great chasm fixed, so that those who wish to come over from here to you will not be able, and that none may cross over from there to us. And he said, Then I beg you, Father, that you send him to my father's house. For I have five brothers, in order that he may warn them, so that they will not also come to this place of torment. But Abraham said, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. But he said, No, Father Abraham, but if someone goes to them from the dead, they will repent. Now listen, this is key, what Jesus says. But he said to them, If they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be persuaded, even if someone rises from the dead. We see a lot of things here, and if time allowed, we would cover this in great detail. And maybe we'll do that in an upcoming uh, edition of Contenders Radio. But what we want to focus on today is the fact that in Luke 16, in this passage, beginning at verse 19, we see that the unbeliever's spirit goes to a place of suffering immediately. As we said earlier, the believer's spirit goes to be with the Lord. And there is a great chasm fix such that they cannot cross one to the other. Also, we see for unbelievers, Second Peter chapter two verse nine. Second Peter chapter two verse nine says, "Then the Lord knows how to rescue the godly from temptation and to keep the unrighteous under punishment for the day of judgment." It tells us that the Lord knows how to hold on to the unrighteous for what? For what purpose? To allow them to roam freely? No, He holds on to the unrighteous for the day of judgment, while continuing their punishment. You see. Unbelievers' spirits go instantly to be with the Lord. Or excuse me, believers' spirits go instantly to be with the Lord. Unbelievers' spirits, however, go instantly, immediately to a place of suffering. Neither, neither the believer nor the unbeliever, neither one of those spirits goes and roams the earth. We have a place fixed. The scriptures tell us very clearly. Believers go to be with the Lord unbelievers go instantly to a place of suffering. So we know from these passages that ghosts, whatever they may be, they are not the spirits of departed humans. So if they are not the spirits of departed humans, then what are these ghosts? Well, stay tuned, and after this commercial break, we'll be right back and we will answer that question. 
Hey, just a reminder that you are listening to Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. You can find us on the web at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. You can also find us at contendersradio.com. That's www.contendersradio.com. Be sure and check out the website on the site. You will find some resources, some articles and whatnot, but you'll also be able to listen to any of the episodes that you have missed right there on the site, on the free audio player, or you can always download the broadcast to listen at your own convenience, even setting up your iPod or your MP3 player to automatically download each new episode as it comes out every single week. What a bargain, and as always, it's free, and free is a very good price. That's right, free is a very good price. Now, we were talking about the fact that the spirits of departed believers go instantly to be with the Lord, and the spirits of unbelievers go immediately to a place of torment, a place of punishment, that neither those of the believers nor the unbelievers roam about the earth. So ghosts are not the spirits of departed humans. And so the question we left before the break was this. If ghosts are not the spirits of departed humans, then what are these ghosts? Well, I believe the Bible teaches us very clearly, very plainly, very directly, that ghosts are indeed spirits, but not of humans. The Bible identifies these spiritual beings as angels and as demons or fallen angels. Now, angels are spiritual beings who are faithful in serving God. Angels are righteous and good and holy. Angels do the work and the service of the Lord. Angels are not deceptive, and they never in Scripture, there is no report of a holy angel at any moment trying to deceive anyone on the earth. Ghosts, therefore, are not just any spirits. They are not the spirits of angels, but ghosts are, in fact, demonic spirits. Now, let me say that again. Ghosts are not just any spirits. They are not the, the, the angelic spirits, but they are absolutely the demonic spirits, those spirits of the fallen angels. You see, demons are, in fact, fallen angels, angels who rebelled against God. Demons are evil. Demons are deceptive. Demons are destructive. And according to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, we see that demons masquerade as angels of light and as servants of unrighteousness. Now, now look at this. Are they masquerade as servants of righteousness? Excuse me. Listen to this. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, it says, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Therefore, do not uh, be surprised if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness, whose end will be according to their deeds. And he goes on from there. But we see that Satan, who is in fact a fallen angel, he masquerades as an angel of light. And his servants do also. Now, specifically here, it looks as if Paul is speaking of those human servants, but he does mention Satan, who is, in fact, a fallen angel. Other fallen angels, these demonic spirits, in the same way, they masquerade as angels of light, as servants of righteousness. So they are the ghosts that people are encountering. Now, that's just taken for granted that they are actually encountering something. It's always po possible and, and, and likely and plausible, if you will, that some people are just imagining. Some people may be making it up. Some people may be reading into something that actually isn't there. And let's just face it, there may be people who, uh, who might be a little schizophrenic, okay? So it might not necessarily even be a demon at all. 
But if they are genuinely encountering some spiritual being, it's not the ghost of a departed loved one or even a departed acquaintance or a departed stranger. It's not a human being at all. It is a demonic spirit, a fallen angel. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 1, 2, and 3, we read this. The Spirit explicitly says, now this is the Holy Spirit, explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. It goes on. By means of the hypocrisy of liars seared in their own conscience, as with a branding iron, men who forbid marriage and advocate abstaining from foods which God has created to be gratefully shared in by those who believe and know the truth. But listen to what he says. The Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons by means of hypocrisy from liars. You see, it is deception. And it's not angel angels, not heavenly angels, not God's angels, um, those holy heavenly beings that are masquerading. It is falling, fallen angels. It is demons that are masquerading. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 1, John says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Absolutely. But he tells us we have to test what? The spirits. Why? Because there are spirits that masquerade as angels of lie. And no doubt, appearing as a ghost, manifesting as um, a departed loved one, or, or, or someone, an acquaintance, someone that we know, a, a familiar uh, person, impersonating a deceased human being, that would definitely seem to fall within the, the realm of possibility for a fallen angel. It absolutely would seem to fall within the power and ability that demons possess and that we uh, see evidenced in the scriptures. And so, if these demons are in fact masquerading as the ghost of departed humans, what is the agenda? Well, I believe, again, Scripture plainly teaches that the agenda of these demonic spirits is nothing less than to destroy, deceive, to kill, steal, and destroy. As it tells us in John 10.10, 10, they want to uh, take as many people out with them as they possibly can. Folks, think about this. Jesus said, in talking with, with those who oppose the gospel and speaking with some of uh, the religious leaders in his day, he says, you are of your father the devil and you want to do the desires of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. Whenever he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own nature for he is a liar and the father of lies. Do you see what he's telling us? The devil is a liar. He's the father of liars. And all of those other fallen angels, they follow their master, Satan. He is um, the leader of those fallen angels that rebelled against God. Satan was that, that covering angel, that angel of light we read about in Isaiah. We see that he was the anointed cherub who was in the very presence of God and pride swole up within himself. He became prideful and he said, I will ascend to the throne. I will set myself above the throne of God. I will, I will, I will. Five I wills. The pride that, that swelled up within him caused him to be cast from heaven, to be, to be thrown out of heaven. And there will come a day in the future where he will be thrown out for good. He will be cast down for good during the time of the great tribulation or at the time of the great tribulation upon this earth. 
But right now, what is he looking to do? He is looking to, to deceive, to continue to lie. Why? Because that is his nature. He is a liar and the, follow, uh, the father of lies. So all those who follow after him also are going to do thusly. They will do the same. It tells us in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 3 and 4, Paul says this, he says, But I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. Do you see that? He's afraid that just as the serpent, the devil, Satan himself, deceived Eve by his craftiness, that your minds will be led astray from the simplicity and purity of devotion to Christ. For if one comes and preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you bear this beautifully. Do you see what he is saying here? The agenda of the serpent the evil one, Lucifer, Satan, the, the dragon as he's known in Scripture, the liar, the thief. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to lead our minds astray. He goes on to say in verses 13 and 14 of that same chapter, For such men are false apostles. Those, those humans who follow this kind of teaching and this ideology, such men are false apostles, deceitful workers, disguising themselves as an apostle of Christ. And then he says, No wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. You see, Satan, these other fallen angels, these demons, what are they doing? They are masquerading as ghosts even friendly ghosts, even uh, such as Casper. You remember the cartoons, Casper, the friendly ghost. But they masquerade even as a helpful spirit. Why? In order to deceive, in order to take your mind away from the truth as revealed in Scripture. Hebrews 2.14 says this, Therefore, since the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise also partook of the same, that through death he might render powerless him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Do you see what Jesus has done? Jesus has taken that power. Satan, yes, Satan is a powerful being. Don't think for a minute that he's not, but he's not more powerful than Jesus. He's not the yin to, uh, to Jesus' yang, if you will. He's not uh, equally evil as Jesus is equally good. No, Jesus is eternally God, but Satan is a created being, an angelic being that sin, his sin was pride. It swole up within himself. The five I wills, I wills we see there in Isaiah and so Satan was cast away, and he took angels with him in his rebellion, and now he seeks to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to deceive. He wants to oppose God. He wants to um, keep us from sharing the gospel faithfully. He wants to take our minds and our attention. He wants to take um, our, our, he wants to take our all, but he wants to get, turn our focus from the gospel and from the truth of Scripture, and he wants us to be at least sidelined. Now, the devil is not powerful enough to steal anyone's salvation. If we are saved, the Bible tells us, therefore, anyone who is in Christ, Jesus, there is no condemnation for them. We see that in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So if you're in Christ, there is no condemnation. But the devil will absolutely seek to sideline you in your missionary task of making other disciples. And he has power to do that. Yes, he is not as powerful as Jesus. He is on a leash, if you will, but it is indeed a long one at this time. But he is still roaming about. That's what First Peter 
chapter 5, verse 8 tells us that we are to be sober, to be of sober spirit, to be on the alert. Because why? Our adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Do you understand the intensity here of what Peter is saying? The importance? He says we need to be on the alert. Why? Because our enemy, our adversary, the devil, Satan, that fallen angel, Satan, that demonic spirit being, he prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. So what are we to do? How are Christians to respond to all of this ghastly business, if you will? And yes, here we are, October 31st. A lot of people understand this as Halloween, and no doubt many will participate in, in uh, these Halloween-type activities. That's not the focus of, of this uh, broadcast today. My, my oldest daughter refers to Halloween as the day you get candy from strangers. And so if that's all it is, that is that's fine. Candy is all right by me. But how do we respond to this ghastly business you see, Halloween has been darkened by all of this demonic activity and by all this ghostly business. So how are we as Christians to respond to this? Well, we only have a few minutes remaining here. So let me just say very quickly that as believers, we need to remember what Jesus came for. Why did Jesus come to this earth? Jesus came to the earth to destroy the devil's work. He said so. The scriptures record in 1 John 3, 8, John tells us that the one who practices sin is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. The Son of God appeared for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. So part of the reason Jesus came was just that, to destroy the work of the enemy. And that's the devil. And it took his death to accomplish it. Folks, it's no light thing that Jesus died. Romans 5, 8 tells us why Jesus had to die. In Romans chapter 5, verse 8, we read this. In fact, start at verse 6. It says, For while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone might dare to die. But God demonstrates His own love towards us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That is why Jesus came. Jesus came to rescue us, to redeem us. That's exactly what He has come to do. He came to set the captives free. He came to destroy the work of the devil. God being rich in mercy, it tells us in Ephesians 2 verse 4, that God being rich in mercy because of His great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our transgression, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. You see, that is what Jesus has come to do. And so our response to all of this, this ghastly paranormal activity, all of this ghostly activity, it should at least, um, rather as it pertains to any sort of demonic activity now, it is to be reminded of the evil that ultimately led to our Savior's great sacrifice. When we look at all of this activity, when we see this infatuation with ghosts and with paranormal activities, this, this all, all such things as these, we should be reminded that Jesus died to redeem us. We shouldn't partake in this type of behavior. We should, in fact, turn from this. We should preach the truth. We should proclaim every chance that we get that Jesus came for sinners and that when Christians die, they die in the Lord and they go to the presence of the Lord. And when unbelievers die, sadly, they will be separated for all of eternity in a place called hell. I wish we had more time today, but beyond all of these things, remember that Christians, we should avoid 
any and all contact with the ghostly and the paranormal. And if the Lord permits, we'll pick up on this another time here on Contenders Radio. But I pray this time has been a blessing for you. I pray it's helped shed a little bit of light on the darkness that has to do with the paranormal and the ghostly. And so I pray all of those things in the name and for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. God bless. You have been listening to Contenders Radio with Pastor Kevin Inman. For more information on this or other broadcast, please visit our website at www.kevininman.org. That's www.kevininman.org. You can also find us at www.contendersradio.org and on Facebook.